Hey, Little Things listeners, I'm so excited to announce that Time of Grace is hosting its first ever women's event at the Ingleside Hotel in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, this April 26th and 27th. Some of my favorite people will be there, and I'm guessing if you were along for the journey last summer when we did the faith journeys, they're going to be some of your favorite people too. I'm talking about Dr. Rhoda Woolley and Dr. Joan Prince, Lori Lorig, and all the Time of Grace female bloggers. Besides that, Pastor Jeremy Maddock will also be doing a live in-person evening encouragements. We can't wait to meet you and connect you to other Christian women. The event is called Unbreakable, Finding Strength to Face the Storms, and we hope to see you there. Find all the information in the episode notes. It will take you to the landing page so that you can register. See you in April. We are continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer with the second petition or request, which is your kingdom come. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. And we need to start out by saying, what in the world is God's kingdom? Well, Jesus made sure that we knew it is not a physical place. When he answered Pilate, because Pilate said, oh, you are a king. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, you know, I would have told you. So God's kingdom is not a physical place that you have to go and enter in order to see his palace and see his reign and his rule. God's kingdom is actually his rule and reign in our hearts. It's when we know and understand who Jesus is, so that Jesus is the Son of God. God is the creator of all the earth, and that Jesus came into this world to buy us back, to redeem us, to deliver us from the effects of sin, death, and the devil. So God delivers us from sin. How so? Well, we could not pay the price that our sin required. So we have all fallen into sin. We're not perfect. We daily, daily do things that are wrong. We lie. We speed. We get angry and annoyed at people just because they don't want to do things that we want them to do. Uh, We get frustrated at God because things don't go our way or because life isn't just super easy. So we daily sin. And Jesus came to rescue us from the price of that sin, which we could not pay. We could not make payment. There's not enough good that we could do to make up for the bad that we do. So it's said that we were dead in our sins or dead in our trespasses, which is said it's sin. So if you are dead, you can do nothing. You can't bring yourself back to life. You're dead. There's nothing you can do to make yourself alive again. So we were dead in our sins. So we needed Jesus to give us new life, to give us a different life, to pay for our sins because we were in capable of doing it ourselves. So he delivered us from sin, from death. Yes, we will all physically die unless Jesus returns beforehand. But because we believe in Jesus, it's not a permanent death. 
it is a very temporary death in terms of we our body will be put in the ground or cremated or whatever you're doing with your body. So your body will no longer have breath in it here on earth. But immediately upon closing your eyes on earth, you have entered the presence of God, your soul has. And so, and then we know that when judgment day comes, God is going to bring our body and unite it to our souls. And then our soul and our body will be with him forever, eternally. So he's delivered us from sin, from death, from the devil. Now, again, I told you in this series that we have to remember that Satan and God are not equals. We we tend to think of Satan as this big, bad, terrible, you know, almost godlike being. He's not. He's a created being. He's an angel. He is more powerful than we are. That's for sure. He has he has more power than we do, but he doesn't have unlimited power like God. But because he is the prince of darkness, because he has been given authority in this world for a time. We we are, you know, sort of enslaved to him until Jesus came and bought us back and freed us from having to walk in our sin all the days of our lives. So God's kingdom is God's rule and reign in our hearts, knowing that Jesus rescued us from sin, from death, from the devil, and living in the redemption that we have been given. So living as children of God. We do not have to remain as children of the world. We don't have to live under Satan's dominion, doing everything that the people of the world do. Now we want to live under the rule of God's kingdom. So rulers have authority. They get to make the rules. So if, if, if you're the president, you sign into law what the senators and the congressmen make as rules, but your, your reign, your authority is what is recognized in the land. When God is the king of our hearts, then we recognize his authority. We recognize the authority of his word. When he says, do not do this, we don't want to do it. We want God's rule and reign to be in our hearts. So we want to live under his authority. We want to do what he wants us to do. And we know that God only wants good for us. He doesn't give us you know, commands and rules and guidance because he wants to hurt us or because he wants to make our life miserable. No, he gives us his commands because he knows that that is where the blessing lies. When we do things according to his will, man, we are going to be so much better off. I just heard a speaker uh, a couple days ago who was talking. He was a phenomenal Christian man who speaks a lot. And he was talking about in his youth, he got into drugs and he said, you know, he did them all. He did cocaine. He did all of it. And he finally, eventually, years down the road, found Christ, didn't find Christ. Christ found him and turned his life around with the help of God, became a believer, lived like a believer. And he was sitting and talking to this Christian woman 
who had lived a very faithful life, had never done drugs, just didn't drink, didn't have sex until she was married. In fact, he said, had her first kiss at the altar. And he said something to her like, you know, you and I eventually got to the same place. So what benefit was there to doing life your way versus mine? I made a lot of money. I was with a lot of women. I partied a lot, had a lot of fun. And she said, well, we both got to the same place, but I got there with far fewer fewer scars. And I thought that was a beautiful way of looking at it. Walking with God will definitely have fewer scars. There's bound to be some scars just from being alive in this world. Even if you live according to God's plan, chances are someone around you isn't going to, and you're going to feel the effects of what they do to you. And so there will be scars even when you're walking with God, but far fewer than if you go the way of the world, try to get everything the world says will bring you happiness and and will lead to a good time and all that you should want out of life. And you get there and you find it's mostly empty. And there's a lot of baggage that comes with living that way. So God's way is really just a way of saving us from all the yuck of walking in the mud and the muck. And so that's why we want God's authority and rule and to say, God, your way is best, even if it's hard for us. The thing is like, do everything without grumbling and complaining. I was with my daughter recently. We were at an event and we we walked everywhere. So we were in a really big city and so we were walking everywhere and it started to drizzle. And my immediate thought was, oh man, like I don't want to get wet. We had a 20 minute walk and we knew it was going to be at least 20 minutes. And then we were going to be waiting outside for a little bit before the doors opened in line. And so I was thinking, okay, it is drizzling. And in fact, sometimes the raindrops were getting kind of strong. And I thought, I do not want to be wet and uncomfortable the whole time we attend this event. But instead of grumbling, I just thought, well, Lord, you bring the sunshine and you brought the rain. And I'm so thankful that I have a sweater on right now and that my legs work. So we were walking and I'm just going to praise you. I kept praising. I kept, you know, trying to find good things to say to my daughter. I'm like, I'm not going to grumble. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to thank God that we're here. I'm going to thank God that we're together. I'm going to thank God that we're healthy enough to go to this event and that we have tickets and that we, so it can sometimes be a bit of a mind game to live according to God's word and God's will, but we can do it. Um, also, you know, loving our enemies, that too. If I haven't told you or haven't reminded you lately, boy, there is blessing in that. There is such blessing in that if we can remind ourselves to do that, to live as Jesus did. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, or even if they do know what they do, um, forgive them anyway and put joy in my heart and nothing but love in my heart for them. It may not change the situation, but it definitely changes you. I had a pastor friend remind me to pray for my enemies once about a year ago, and it made all the difference in the world. I started praying for them, for some people who had uh, caused me some grief. And 
it was, it didn't take long for my heart to totally change towards them. And what it does is it does not allow the bitterness to grow in you. And so you release all of that, all of the hurt, all of the pain. You're just releasing it. You're saying, God, you know all things. So, you know, I'm just going to pray that you use this for good in my life and that you teach them something from this in, in their life. And they're a Christian and I'm a Christian. So God, work in mighty ways in their life and work in mighty ways in my life. And all of a sudden, that bitterness, that resentment that is starting to creep up, it's gone. You you forgive them on a different level. You want nothing but their good. And, and you just release it all. And then you don't have to live in that anymore. So I have found over and over and over living God's way. Man, it's the way to it's the way to go. And even when in my mind, in my little tiny mind, when I think I might know better than God, if I make myself live according to God's will, even when I don't understand, even when I don't want to, eventually I usually come to the point of realizing, yep, yep, you were right. You were totally right. Okay, so we also want to make sure that we're fanning God's uh, spirit and God's word in our life instead of putting it down. Because so often we can put out the spirit's fire and we do that by not listening to him, we not going to God's word and not knowing God's word. If you don't know God's word, you really can't do God's word. You're not going to know what God says to do in certain circumstances. So you have to know God's word. So as the spirit nudges you to get in the word each day, it shouldn't be a chore. And it shouldn't be something that we keep putting off like, I'll get to it when I get to it. No, get to it first thing. Make it a priority and make sure that you you do it so that you're you're knowing God's word. Um, We put out the spirit's fire when we dull our conscience. I've talked about this recently, so I'm not going to belabor this, but the, except to say that when we justify our sin, when we say, well, I, I was okay being angry and, and flipping out in this, in this, for instance, because so-and-so did this and, and who could, no, don't justify your sin. Don't dull your conscience when you say, oh, it's okay. Um, you know, at the time that I was talking about this, I used speeding as an example, you know, well, you're not going to get a ticket if you're, you know, going five miles over the speed limit. So what difference does it make? Well, are you honoring God when you're going five miles over the speed limit? Just asking if, if the, if God asks us to obey our authorities and we're saying, well, I know a little more than the authorities, so I'm going to do it my way. Is that honoring God? Don't dull your conscience. Let your conscience be what your conscience is supposed to be, which is your little temperature probe saying, "Uh uh-oh, you're going astray. Let's get back on track with God's will and God's ways. So we are praying that God works in our heart and our life first when we pray your kingdom come. First, work in my heart, work in my life, Lord. Make sure that you are the uppermost authority in my life. Make sure that my conscience is working where it is. Help me to get in your word so I know your word. Help me to do the things that are according to your word. These are all prayers that you're praying. But then we're also praying that God's kingdom would come to other people. So this is a twofold prayer because you're praying for those people who are teaching God's word and you're praying for the hearers. So first the teachers. Now that should be all of us, all of us on a regular basis, should be finding in our our people in our lives who don't yet know God 
and or have fallen away from God or who aren't making him a priority. And we should be that little, you know, fan blowing on them again, like, get your flame going. Like, let's get you back in the word. Why don't you come over and read the word with me? Have you been to church lately? Um, I've got a Bible study or, hey, I've got a podcast. You, you really should listen to this. She explains it or he explains it better than I do. So check this out. Listen to this. Um, we should all be messengers, but we should also be praying regularly for our missionaries and for the people who are in positions that they are pastors, teachers, podcasters, um, evangelists, all these people. This this is all encompassed in your kingdom come. Lord, be with your missionaries. Be with people who routinely are in um, the world trying to get people to know you better. Be with them. What can we pray? We can pray that God gives them words, that he helps them to speak in a way that they are understood, that he helps their message to get out clearly, that he keeps them in the word themselves so that they can teach the word, that um, there is no hindrance to the word going out, whatever that may be, because Satan loves to put up roadblocks. So we pray these things for, for those who are doing the work, including ourselves. But then we're also praying for the hearts of the people who are going to be hearing the word. You know, that seed is going out. So we pray, Lord, make fertile ground in people's hearts. When they hear the word, let it took, take root in their lives. Let them want to hear more. Let them see the difference between you and walking in the world. Let them see that your way is best. Open their hearts to your word and to the gospel message that they may be saved. So we're praying for those who are spreading the word. We're praying for those who hopefully will hear the word and take it to heart and that their life would be changed. As we're praying this, we're also praying that as God's rule and reign in our life increases, that Satan's dominion in our life decreases. So we're praying, Lord, help us to see through Satan's schemes. Satan is a master of distraction. And just um, somebody said, you know, if, if Satan can't make you, you know, fall away, he'll make you busy. Or I can't remember exactly how it's said, but, you know, man, we can get distracted with so many things that can just take our time and energy from praying, from reading the Bible, from having Bible studies, from working in God's kingdom, from doing all the important things that actually matter. We can all get so caught up in so many things that do not matter. And we want in this prayer, in this petition, we're saying, God, let, let you and your influence in my life increase as Satan's decreases. Help me to see through all these distractions. Help me to see through the, the little things that he puts in our, our way, the hindrances, the, the roadblocks, the, the way that he encourages us and entices us to get angry at other Christians and cause fights and quarrels so that we get so busy disagreeing amongst ourselves that we forget the big picture. Help us to see through that so that we don't get caught up in all that. And then Luther sort of ends in the large catechism um, talking about this petition by reminding us of the vastness of God's power and the importance of prayer, that it is an absolute slap in the face to God 
when we go to God with tiny requests. He said it's sort of like a emperor asking a very poor person, sir, what would you like from me? And this very poor pauper saying, oh, just just give me a bowl of mush. That would be enough. When the emperor wanted to lavish this man with, you know, maybe a house and a cook and a field so that he could have food, not for a day, but that he could sustain his life with it. And, And instead he just says, oh, you know, just give me a little, just give me a meal. I'll be, I'll be happy with that. I don't want to offend you by asking too much. It's offensive to ask too little from someone who has it in their power to do much. And so Luther says, man, may we come to God in boldness here. Your kingdom come, Lord, work through me. As I open my mouth to tell people about you, give me the words and let those words come out in such a way that people understand them and move, move my words to move them closer to you, always closer to you. And Lord, um, show me the people who need to hear you. Help me to be open to seeing them instead of so busy and caught up in my own life that I don't even notice the person standing in line who is waiting and desperate for an invitation to know God. And so help me to see that. And then why not pray big prayers that Satan's kingdom is foiled? Foil the plans of Satan, Lord. Bring down the stumbling blocks in, you know, start with your family. Start with those caught in addiction or with the marriages that are stressed and with the relationships between children and parents or uh, disease or, or whatever. Pray that that God just removes stumbling blocks to the gospel, whatever those may be. Pray that Satan is kept, you know, away. Pray that your family, that your, the children you are teaching, that those in your church, that those in your town, that God's children all throughout the world would see through Satan's schemes as he tries to pluck all these children away. Pray that they would return to church. Pray that churches become a place of solace again, that young people want to come to hear about God. Pray that pastors and leaders are open to new ways of of preaching the same word. By, By all means, let's not change the word. Let's never be those who change the word. But man, we can be open to presenting it in different and new ways. We can be open to worship in new and different ways. Pray that our churches become just a a vibrant place where people want to come and meet and worship and grow and fellowship and pray. Pray for those things and pray bold. I don't care how dead you think your church is. We were dead too. And Jesus brought us new life. God can resurrect your church. You can tell me, you can tell me all 80 reasons why your church is dead and the doors are just going to close and you can't see God doing anything in your town. Stop. Start praying right now. Pray every day. Pray several times. Pray to your very big Heavenly Father who is very capable of answering your biggest prayers and pray that He resurrects your church so that it can be the 
the place in the community where people can learn about him. It's not for your glory. It's not for the church's glory. It's not for the pastor's glory. It's because you don't want to see souls constantly dying and going to hell. Pray big. Your kingdom come, Lord. Make your kingdom great. We know you're a great king. And someday we're going to see it in all its fullness. When we stand before you, we are going to see the majesty. We are going to see the glory. But for now, Lord, man, let your kingdom come here on earth. Show us your glory in the way that you work in our churches, through your word, by whoever teaches it in its truth and purity. Let it go out, Lord, and let it bear much fruit. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.